Welcome to the interview. I'm your host, Janine McIntyre. This podcast will feature candid conversations with thought leaders who stand out due to their committed approach to organizational health. As a listener, you will be inspired and moved to action by our guests' powerful stories that highlight the challenges, triumphs, and valuable lessons they have learned on their leadership journeys. With student success at the forefront, you will be provided with insights that will empower you in your work in meaningful ways to cultivate a culture in which you and your organization will thrive. Listeners, today we are so excited to be in candid conversation with Dr. Mark Sanchez, the superintendent president of Southwestern Community College District. He brings over 20 years experience in community college leadership, teaching and instruction and workforce development. His passion in the pursuit of social justice and has demonstrated this throughout his career, spearheading initiatives such as the development and implementation of comprehensive race-conscious, equity-focused instruction, student services, and online programs designed to increase student access and success, student outreach, and student personal development. Dr. Sanchez brings extensive experience, specifically in student life and leadership roles that have focused on building cross-cultural learning and engagement opportunities for students of diverse backgrounds. He is a collaborative leader who works effectively with several different constituent groups on campuses, as well as businesses and community-based partners. We would like to thank Dr. Mark Sanchez for being our guest. And listeners, we hope that you enjoy this episode of the interview. Welcome, Dr. Sanchez. It is great to have you on our podcast. So let's get started. You know, some may not realize that you are a product of Southwestern College and that you grew up in San Diego, specifically the South Bay. What can you tell us about your experience as a Southwestern student? Yeah, that that is absolutely correct. I am a 1993 graduate of Southwestern College, and I started... um, in the fall of 1989, I was a student athlete. Like you mentioned, I was, I was a, a local boy, uh, first-time college student, and so Southwestern really was my first experience in post-secondary education. And so really my time here was, when I started, was really just trying to figure out the, the college landscape, the college experience. Um, and what I mean by that is I was enrolled in, in 14 units. I was a student athlete. Uh, playing basketball. I was working 20 hours a week and I was trying to find time to train and study outside of the classroom and outside of basketball practice. And so the challenge for me really as a first-time college student was navigating all of those time responsibilities. So initially it was really, it was really challenging. And I think many students can relate to that experience today as they're navigating family responsibilities, Uh, trying to get to and from class. My experience was really, uh, it started off difficult, Um, but with the support of many faculty and staff on the campus, I was able to learn how to navigate the college system and and really be effective in my studies as time went along. And so eventually really Southwestern really served as the foundation for my college experience. 
And once I finished my degree at Southwestern, I transferred to UC Santa Barbara as a sociology major. So, um, you know, I, I give credit to Southwestern for really helping me to discover who I, who I was as a person and also really coach me on how to be successful in college. And so that was certainly through the mentorship of a lot of faculty, staff, and mentors that I had on the college campus. So uh, it's an amazing opportunity to return back to Southwestern. Oh, yeah, that's amazing. Dr. Sanchez, so it sounds like when you got started at Southwestern, as you said, it kind of was provided the foundation. At that point, going back to that time in your life, could you ever imagine that you would one day lead this organization? You know, it, that I can honestly say that was never on my landscape, never on my radar. Um, my, my whole career trajectory was to focus on being a U.S. history teacher at the high school level. That was something that I always wanted to do. And I actually did do that when I first graduated from college. I taught United States history at LSL High School in Salinas, California. And so to think that coming back to this institution 32 years later to, to lead as superintendent president, uh, it was never on my radar at all. Uh, and so that's what makes this journey so nostalgic is that it actually did happen. Yeah, that's amazing. Can you share a little bit about that? So you set out, um, so I'm assuming once you transferred to UC Santa Barbara, focusing on sociology, at what point between that point, um, that time in your life and this time, did you decide to start focusing on the possibility of becoming, or just not necessarily a superintendent or president, but looking more towards leadership possibilities or opportunities for you? Yeah, that's a great question. And it happened organically. Um, because like I mentioned, my, my career trajectory was really focused on being a high school teacher. And then as I started in that career, um, an opportunity became available as I presented at a, a conference. And I presented on a conference on, on workforce development, developing programs to help individuals uh, transition from underemployment or unemployment to economic self-sufficiency. And a woman by the name of Kim Peterson, who was the executive director of workforce development at San, San Jose Evergreen Valley College was at that conference and saw my presentation. And she actually walked up to me after my presentation and asked if I would be interested in working at the community college level. So that was really where where my career trajectory in California Community College leadership began. And that was in the, uh, or that was in 2000, 2001. And so I ended up transitioning from workforce development to the California Community College system where I started out as a director of student success programs. And so I think it was really at that point where I really started honing my leadership skills and really started focusing on uh, being the best at in California Community College administration. And so I think that was really where the trajectory started and my path for um, college administration and leadership. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's amazing. That organic approach that comes about yeah. in life, which I think can help a lot of, the, especially students, where they may find that at, while they're at Southwestern College or pursuing their higher education, they need to know exactly what it is they want and the reality is you set out on a path is what I'm hearing you say. And then through that path, things kind of present opportunities. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can I, can I add one more piece to that? Because I think this is an important piece. 
And I, oh, absolutely. And I think this, this goes to um, really anyone who's out there who may be listening, who may be thinking about their future or their future trajectory. You know, that conference that I presented at, uh, I can say that I, I wasn't really enthusiastic about presenting at that conference at that point in time, just because I didn't feel like I had the, uh, the inventory of information on the topic that, that was being proposed to be presented at the conference. But I took a chance. I put myself out there. I did it. And it was really through that, through that experience that really changed my whole career trajectory. So, so my message to people out there is put yourself out there. Even if you don't feel like you have the full spectrum of information you need to present at a conference or to engage in dialogue with, with colleagues, put yourself out there and let people know that you're enthusiastic and, and you're, you have a vision for your future. And I think if you do that, amazing things will happen, even things that you didn't plan on. Oh, yeah, that is great. So, Dr. Sanchez, so you complete your studies at UC Santa Barbara um, and then as far as just your education track, I know at this point um, you have your doctorate, but if you can kind of give us a little um, insight into your process and deciding then to go on to obtain your graduate degree and eventually your, your doctorate. Yeah, that was, that, that was in and of itself a very amazing experience. You know, I had finished my bachelor's and I was working in workforce development and I was looking at graduate programs and the graduate programs in the San Diego area just weren't accepting applications at the time. So uh, interestingly, a friend mentioned to me that the master's program in education administration at Fresno State was really dynamic. And at the time, uh, the president at at California State University Fresno was a gentleman by the name of uh, Dr. John Welty. And the person running the new uh, graduate program at Fresno State uh, was a woman by the name of Dr. Sharon Brown Welty, and they were husband and wife. I had heard some good things about the program, so I picked up the phone and called the Fresno State Master's in Education program. And lo and behold, Dr. Sharon Brown Welty answered the phone. And I asked her, I'm interested in, in enrolling in a master's of ed program in higher education administration. And can you tell me um, if you're accepting applications and what the process would be? That 20 minute conversation really sealed my decision to, to go to Fresno State. Her response was, well, here's the application process. And are you ready to begin this fall? And this was actually, I think, in April of uh 2002. And she was asking me if I was ready to begin in August of 2002 for the fall (laughs) cohort. But but the confidence in saying, don't worry, essentially, what she was saying to me is don't worry about the process. Do you want to start this fall, and we can make it happen. And so that just left me with so much confidence. And she didn't even know me. But yet, she inspired, um, in my mind, just do it. And don't worry about the process. Mm-hmm. And so, so um, I, I tell her to this day, she's retired now and lives in Palm Springs. But I tell her to this day that she really changed my life trajectory by believing in someone that she had a 20 minute phone conversation with. I'll never forget that that experience. Yeah, that's definitely a turning point in your life. But it also, Dr. Sanchez, speaks to the initiative that you had taken in that. Yeah. Opportunities were limited where you were but you reached out and beyond just searching what's available, you picked up the phone and made the call. So taking initiative. Absolutely. And you um, know, my friends thought I was absolutely crazy because 
they they were asking me why would you why would you go from San Diego, California to Fresno, California? <laughs> and, and so I think what that what that means is you go where opportunity presents itself. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So with the opportunity, I'm sure you're no stranger that life itself sometimes throws some challenges. Quite often we can experience a lot of highs, but we can also experience lows through our journeys. When you look at your personal and professional journey alike thus far, what are those experiences that you've had that really stand out as preparing you and propelling you forward to bring you to this place that you are today serving as a superintendent and president of Southwestern College? Yeah, I think this is an absolutely fantastic question because in my short time here at Southwestern, I think having to make tough decisions, you draw from your your toolkit of experiences throughout your career, throughout your personal life. And so really having to, to navigate some of the challenges that I've had to navigate both personally and professionally, I think all of those experiences and those lessons are a lesson in perseverance and resilience. And so with over 20 years of California Community College leadership, and those certainly those times have have been wonderful and there's also been very severe challenges. I'll never forget in 2009, the California Community College system was in a major uh, budget deficit as a system and the, the state was in a, a really bad economic situation. So essentially California Community Colleges, we had to cut our budgets, particularly for categorical programs by up to 40%. That had an impact on people's lives as it meant uh, not hiring positions, laying off, furloughs. So I think as, as your leadership profile goes through, through a period of time, you learn um, how to, to make leadership decisions that are the least impactful on people and, and, and really trying to adjust the system so that, it, that the system can still meet its institutional mission and the vision while also protecting our most valuable asset at the institution, and that's our uh, faculty, classified professionals, students, and administrators. And so um, each leadership position that I've, that I've maintained has taught me that you have to stay true to your values and the mission of the institution and the, and the people that we serve. So I think every, every role that I've, I've stepped into has prepared me for this position here at Southwestern because each position has provided unique challenges and unique opportunities to, to redefine how we, how we serve our students. And we know in today's world, our student demographics are much more diverse than they've ever been. But also looking at our systems overall, we haven't shifted or redesigned our systems as rapidly as we need to, to better accommodate today's students. I think looking back at the 20 plus years of history and looking at those challenges and looking at the opportunities where we, where we made changes and we saw increased student success rates, increased access, you draw upon all of those experiences from your, your toolkit to, to govern how you make decisions today. And I, I think it's really, it's really been, um, an exercise and perseverance in terms of how that's done 
in today in, in my position today here at Southwestern. Great. Now you touched on this ideology specifically with respect to leadership and that it is developed over time. What ideologies specifically are you drawing from as inspiration um, and when it comes to leadership for your presidency? Um, I guess the question kind of lends itself to what type of leader or how would you define your leadership style? And um, what do you think is most needed at Southwestern today? Yeah, I think, I think yeah. leadership is, is, is uh, situational. I think it really depends on, on um, the circumstances. Each leadership challenge is gonna present something, something different. But I also think looking back, you always have to measure impact on leadership decisions. So one of the things I'm really proud of, and certainly leadership is not done by one individual, it's really about a person's ability to build the system for maximum effectiveness and efficiency. But when I look back at my career, I look back at some of the, co the colleges that I've worked at in the California Community College system, and I always look at data benchmarks. And were we able to increase access and increase access for students of color? Were we able to increase educational goal completion rates? transfer, certificate, degree, were we able to help people get into career fields that they had envisioned for themselves? And so when I look back at colleges that I've worked at and I look at those data metrics, I think one of the things I'm really proud of working with the teams at those colleges is that we were able to increase uh, success rates, increase access rates, so from that lens, I would say I consider myself a transformational leader because it really requires an ability to, to shift and redesign systems to better serve students. And then as it pertains to working with uh, faculty, administrators, classified staff that report directly to me, I really consider myself an empowering leader because I want to empower people to make decisions and certainly Oftentimes that comes with dialogue um, that needs to occur on how to make an effective decision. But I think in, in being an empowering leader, I think essentially what you do is you help create that new crop of, of leaders that will come forth in the future because they've had the preparation and they've been inspired through confidence in their decision-making to, to lead. And so I, I really see that as, as, as my, um, my leadership style. And then the second part of that question was, what do I hope to accomplish here at Southwestern? I think if I if I look back, I think we've I think it's fair to say we've had some some tensions with race relations on this campus, and I see that as a top priority. And I see some of the challenge. I really believe that some of the challenges that the college has had around race relations has been because. Overall, as a college, we haven't provided the opportunities to, for, for different groups to connect with one another, to learn from cultural experiences of others. I, I want to be respectful. I think that work has been done over the last two years. Um, but I think in terms of the history of the institution, it hasn't always been a focus to try to create intercultural connections and inter intercultural education among the various employee groups that we have on campus and the student groups as well. So I think if we can build really strong opportunities 
for uh, different cultural groups on campus to learn from one another, to be educated about the different values and experiences of the various cultural groups that we have on campus. I think that's going to go a long way in terms of being able to create uh, a better morale on campus, better working relationships, and ultimately more trust on the campus. And so that is definitely a top priority for my time here at the college. Yeah, trust is so needed, especially when you're transforming any organization, any culture. Trust has to be um, at the foundation of that. But, you know, hearing you say this, Dr. Sanchez, I cannot help but to reflect back on the reality of your situation in that you have this dual perspective, right? You have the experience of going through Southwestern, walking throughout the campus and the halls as a student and then now as the president superintendent. I'm curious as to when you speak of some of the challenges Southwestern is dealing with now as far as race relations and really not having the opportunities always to connect with other cultures and learn and therefore grow and become better versions of ourselves through it. Could you shed some light or your experience when you were a student, um, what was that experience from a cultural standpoint? Um, and then being able to connect to all the cultures at that time where you were at Southwestern? Yeah, that's a really great question. And I think what makes it even more interesting is uh, the fact that I was a student athlete. In looking back at, at my experience at that time, uh, and of course, this is 32 years ago, I think Southwestern historically has been a predominantly uh, Latino, Latina, Latinx institution in terms of uh, demographics. Being a student athlete, I, I recall some of my teammates who were African-American feeling like they didn't have the representation on campus from, from staff or didn't know how to access resources. So I, I, I think from what they were outlining, there was a feeling, there was feelings of isolation on this campus uh, for African-American students at that time. Being their teammate, um, I felt like it was incumbent for me to say, hey, you know, I had this really good interaction with this financial aid specialist, and if you'd like, I can walk you over there, because I, uh, one of the students was having an issue with their financial aid at the time. I'll never forget their perspective, my teammates' perspectives, in terms of feeling isolated at the time, because they didn't see other African-American faces on the campus. And so, so I think diversity, equity, inclusion work on this campus is critical, because no student not one, not a single student should walk onto this campus and have to feel isolated because they don't know where to access resources or they don't see someone that looks like them. So therefore they don't feel connected. And uh, albeit I'm a Latino uh, administrator, I'm everyone's president here at this college. Every student matters. And I don't want a single student to walk away from this campus feeling isolated. Yeah, that's great. You know, because the foundation, as you know, there again with transformation is that form of yes. empathy. And we may not have walked in someone's shoes specifically, but being able to see their experience and bring an appreciation. Um, so that I think gives you an extra layer of understanding, having had the student perspective and now as the president perspective to bring about the change that you mentioned. Now with that, Dr. Sanchez, I know you also bring a significant amount of experience in cross-cultural education workforce development training. As you mentioned, that really kind of sets you off on, on a different path and throughout your career. 
How do you think Southwestern College can position itself to strategically work with businesses and organizations within the community to maximize opportunities, specifically for our students? Yeah, I think we're at a really strong point. And when I say our, I'm talking about the college. In terms of our ability to build programs that align with today's workforce, one of the programs I see that's absolutely um, skyrocketing is drone technology. And there's, there's so much drone technology being used for so many different reasons in the workforce. I've seen drones being used to, um, to do uh, visual mapping of landscapes for agriculture, for wineries. Um, there's, there's a new economy really focusing around cybersecurity. Uh, so I think the college is positioned to be in a place to develop the curriculum for these programs and services, preparing our students new and exciting career opportunities in fields that haven't existed or didn't even exist um, 10 years ago or five years ago. So it, I think it's, it's really exciting to be able to do this. Um, and, and the thing that I love about it is I know uh, drone operators, once they get their certifications, can make up to $25, $30 an hour, if not more. So it's preparing students for, and that's with a certificate, that's not even a degree. Uh, so we're preparing students for self-sufficient career opportunities in, in uh, booming new industries. So I think that's exciting, and I think that's really where um, the college is poised to do some tremendous work uh, moving forward. And I think partnering with businesses and organizations who are going to need these workers moving forward and have uh, an a business advisory board provide input into our curriculum in these programs will really help ensure that we're preparing students for the needs of of the next decade's workforce. So it's really, really exciting. To yeah, lots of opportunities where challenges and changes as we're all yes. enduring. Um, the pandemic and otherwise they have brought up on us. It's great to see that there's opportunities and not only for us moving forward, but for our students. So with that, we, you touched on a little bit about inclusion, diversity, equity. Um, so far, you're talking about some of the cultural differences and the goals that you've established uh, is one of your primary goals here at Southwestern. I'm curious because as you know, as this discussion has become broader and more attention to this area, um, we find that depending on the context in which these words are used and statements are provided, they may have different meaning. Can you summarize for us on um, what DEI or inclusion, diversity, equity and anti-racism, what does it really mean to you? I think diversity, equity, inclusion, and anti-racism work is really conceptually about deconstructing historical models of serving our students and serving our community. And, and of course, I'm talking about the models of systems of education. I think historically, our systems of education have been, have been designed for students that don't necessarily look like today's students. And what I mean by that is, is I was just reading a report at both the federal and state level uh, in paid internships uh, in the government have historically been been set aside for the privileged and the wealthy. And so I was looking at some statistics on 
black, indigenous, and people of colors rates of paid internships at both the federal and state level, and they're almost non-existent. And so diversity, equity, and inclusion work is around looking at that data and looking at those systems and realizing that we have to reposition and redesign those systems so that everyone has an opportunity uh, to, to get internships, to have access to transfer to a university, to have access to a post-secondary institution, to have access to financial resources to support their enrollment in college or the university. And so diversity, equity, inclusion, and anti-racism work is really around deconstructing all of those historical systems that have not served uh, Black, Indigenous, and people of color and other marginalized communities and redesigning them to ensure that that they are designed for for today's students and so um so certainly that that requires a lot of training it requires really a lot of investment and on how with our faculty our classified professionals our administrators on uh, cultural competency and really learning how to effectively work with students of color uh, and other marginalized student groups on campus to provide these opportunities. Another data piece I was looking at, and this ties to our student success metrics, we're expected to increase our transfer rates to the UCs and the CSUs. This is a, a California Community College system goal. And so in, upon my arrival here at Southwestern, I was looking at our transfer data and I looked at transfer data specifically to, to UCSD. And again, this is organically looking at the data and seeing what the data tells us. And we've seen a significant drop in African-American transfer to UCSD and particularly African-American males. Equity work is, uh, is really around seeing what the data tells us and then building the systems to change the statistics to increase our transfer rates for marginalized groups to UCSD and other universities. And so um, that's really the frame that, that I come from is really reconstructing systems to better serve our students. Thank you, Dr. Sanchez. With that, with understanding that, especially in an organization such as Southwestern, a lot of what is provided for to the students is through our, our employees, whether it's faculty, classified administrators. Within that side of the organization, what would you say is needed to support um, improving our numbers in this regard and supporting all of our students, but also those specifically that seems to have been a little bit of a fall off in the transfer rate success rates? Are there any changes or focuses you have in trying to support those that are here to support the students um, in furtherance of this equity lens that yeah, we're discussing. Yeah, uh, that, that was yeah. one of my, my first things that I noticed when I came into the institution. And I, I don't say this from a critical frame, but one of the things I noticed is when we would be in our, our committee meetings or through our governance process, we weren't really looking at data. And so one of the things that I wanted to bring to, to um, to our governance work is really looking at data and see what the seeing what the data tells us in terms of our work, how we're being impactful of our work. So I think that's the first thing we need to do is look at what the data is telling us around how uh, we're serving our students. 
And I think that's one of the most empowering things you can do with classified professionals, with administrators, is to really give them the data perspective. And then once we have the story of what the data is telling us, I think then we can be really strategic in building programs and services that will, that will um, be more impactful on how we serve our students. So I think that's the way we get there. And, and then having conversations around programs and services that have been best practices, research best practices, best practices at other colleges and universities, and really engaging in that dialogue through the governance, through the governance committees or the governance process to, to help shape people's viewpoint on the work that we need to do in serving our students. Yeah, that's really good. You know, with this, and I know you're no stranger to this, when you're talking about transformation, especially some of these things in that whole category of DEI or IDEA, if we include anti-racism mm -hmm. with that, um, it creates conflict as well. There, there are different opinions, views, perspectives on maybe having a particular focus. Um, and a lot of the work we do is lately turn more to navigating that whole conflict in the workplace. Can you share with us some of your approaches, sound approaches in managing conflict in the workplace? Yeah, I, and I think with conflict yeah. management, something that leaders have to be very comfortable with. Um, conflict, you know, especially in a large organization, is as natural as showing up for work in the morning. So we know it's going to be, we know it's going to occur. And it's something I just feel like leaders need to be really comfortable with. Um, and so my approach to conflict management is, is engaging in respectful conversations with people who may not agree or may have different perspectives. And that's completely okay. But I think one of the things as leaders with conflict, because oftentimes those can come along with really high emotions, is setting some, some norms for how we go into that dialogue. And I think certainly as, as people and as leaders, we're gonna have different philosophies, different viewpoints, different opinions, different perspectives. But I think there's one thing that needs to be a constant when working in situations where there's potential for conflict and that's respect, respect in the dialogue, respect for your colleagues. And what I've learned over the years in leadership is that different perspectives or different viewpoints is not personal it's simply people have different life experiences that shape uh, their viewpoints. And so we should never take it personally and, and we should always be comfortable with being able to engage in tough dialogue in those spaces, but it should always be done within a respectful paradigm as colleagues, as professionals. And I think ultimately when you navigate conflict and you navigate uh, tough situations and you're able to come to a resolution that everyone agrees upon. What I've learned throughout my career is that you end up with a much better result because it's been, it's been vetted through so many different viewpoints and perspectives that everyone has had an opportunity to provide input and feedback and uh, you end up with it with a really good product. And so I, uh, my, my message in, in conflict management and my approach in conflict management is, is being really comfortable with it and, and just being able to pull people into spaces to have conversation around, uh, around solutions. And, um, 
Uh, in my first two weeks here at, at the college, we had a situation where in a Zoom meeting, one colleague um, made a disparaging remark about another colleague. There was certainly some very strong feelings around that. The comment was inappropriate. And, and in that moment and in that space, um, there, was, there was conflict because there was a lot of disagreement with what was said. And so my approach to that was to schedule a meeting with all of the individuals that were involved, to have dialogue on that, to talk, and we had to call out the fact that the comment that was made was inappropriate. And my viewpoint was that that should never happen again. You should never make disparaging remarks in a public space about another colleague. It's inappropriate. And the person who made the comment ended up offering a direct apology um, to the person that she made the comment about. So I think when, when you're able to pull people into those spaces and to have respectful dialogue around the problem and then get to a solution, but you're able to do that respectfully, I think that really is the crux of how conflict should be managed in a complex organization. That's great. You know, Dr. Sanchez, what would you tell the Mark Sanchez before he was a doctor, before he was a superintendent president, but while he was a student here at Southwestern, what would you say to that young man that's the athlete, the student, has a part-time job, really doesn't know for sure what he wants to do, definitely can't see himself one day leading the institution that he attends? What encouraging advice would you give him today? You know, I would say, have a vision for your future. Um, I would encourage the young Mark Sanchez to talk uh, to different professionals, something I didn't do, to have, the, uh, to have the confidence to talk to other professionals and get their input and viewpoint about the work that they do. Um, but in addition to having a vision for yourself, um, really map out a plan and, and start to accomplish the elements of that plan as you're progressing in your future. And I think probably the most significant thing that needs to occur for anyone to accomplish the vision that they've set for themselves is really this element of perseverance. Because as you're going through that journey, you're gonna get knocked down you're going to have people who are going to tell you you can't do it or you won't do it. Uh, you're going to have people who don't want you to do it. Um, and so you're just going to have to navigate a lot of challenges. But I think it's, it's simply finding your, your support system. Uh, find, it, find the people who believe in you and who are willing to invest in you. Uh, find a mentor. But ultimately, just know that it's going to be difficult but that if you just keep moving forward, you will be successful. Yeah, oh, that's wonderful. Because as you give that advice to that younger Mark Sanchez, as you know, so many students that are listening that are not only going and pursuing their high education desires and goals at Southwestern, but throughout the country, uh, that's sound advice. And I would even say not even just for students, it's for all of us, you know, establishing the plan, the vision for your life, understanding it may be challenging at times, but persevere, keep going, don't give up. 
that's golden. So now that we've asked you to look backwards, I'm going to ask you to look forward. And if you started this new chapter in your life as a president superintendent of Southwestern with the, with the end in mind, what do you hope to have accomplished during your time? When you decide to transition out, whenever that will be, hopefully, <laughs> no time soon, <laughs> um, what do you want uh, the record to reflect that you accomplished during your You know, tenure? one of the biggest pieces for me, and I think this is really the foundation of all of the work that we do, uh, because when it comes to, to increasing student success rates, I think first and foremost, we have to have a really strong and healthy organizational culture. One of the biggest things that I think I, I hope to look back on and say that, that this is something that we've been able to accomplish as an institution, because again, no one person can do this work alone, is I hope we can look back and say, we were able to uh, increase uh, employee relations. Uh, we were better, we were able to create better workplace morale. Uh, better intercultural understanding and intercultural relationships uh, with our with our with our staff and I think that foundational piece will get us to increased access our enrollment is down right now and I think that's more of a reflection of, of the pandemic we're down about 10% uh, on our enrollment and so certainly reversing that trend so that we have really strong enrollment because Ultimately, what strong enrollment means is that we're maximizing our access to courses for the community. And then the other piece is that's really important to me is um, making sure that we're deconstructing these systems that are inequitable on how we serve our students. And I think by doing that, we will increase access, we'll increase our completion rates, we'll complete our transfer rates to the university and certainly I want all of those metrics to show that we were able to effectively do this work for all students and in particular students who have been historically marginalized marginalized so our black indigenous and people of color students I think by doing those things we will be the very best version of southwestern college that we can be so I hope that's where um myself and, and the team of professionals here at Southwestern can get the institution to in the next uh, in the next few years. And then just one other piece that I think is really important, and this is a very important goal of mine, is the college has been operating in a, uh, in a budget deficit for years. So essentially that means that we're spending more dollars that we're taking in. And certainly with this infusion of federal relief funds, that's gonna help us in the short term. But a goal of mine is to really look at our, our fiscal profile and see where there's areas of opportunity to ensure that we're more efficient in our spending and ultimately get the college out of a budget deficit spending model. And so um, that has been a goal of mine that I've outlined um, to the board and it's something I want to accomplish as quickly as possible, because if we can get out of this budget de deficit spending mode, ultimately what we're going to do is we're going to free up dollars to better serve our students and ensure that we have uh, the appropriate 
personnel on this campus to help us meet our institutional goal. So, um, so it's all of those things in a circle with not one thing being more important than the other. Yeah. But that's really what I would like to look back on and say, we as a college accomplished at Southwestern. Oh, this is great. Dr. Sanchez, that is robust, but it's also encouraging and inspiring. And with a little bit of yes. stretch in there too, right? <laughs> and they say that's always, that's always good. You gotta be challenged. Um, so with that, we ask you to look back um, to your younger self and we ask you to look forward um, to the end of this chapter. As you stand right here today, Dr. Mark Sanchez, could you share with us one of the things that you are most proud of in your life, whether it's a personal accomplishment or a professional one? Wow. One thing, you know, if it's just one thing, I think it's important for me to, that I'm really proud of. And I think it's reflective of how I was, I was raised. Um, I had uh, two parents that uh, really believed in everyone's value as a human being. That's how I was raised. And so I think one of the things I'm most proud of is um, taking what my family taught me about the value of human beings and bringing that forward into who I am as a person today and as a professional is that it's, and it's really in my approach and my work with people is that uh, everyone's important, everyone has value and everyone should be respected. It's almost that golden rule, uh, treat people how you would like to be treated. But it was really something that was instilled in me by my parents and my family. Uh, it was always about doing the right thing, having respect for your elders. My father was in the military and he was in the army during the, the Korean War. And so he was very strict. Um, and my mom was a librarian, so she was uh, more of the caring and the affirming uh, parent, but both of them combined really instilled in me the value of, of always doing the right thing and, and being good to everyone. And even if they're not good to you, um, always be good to people. And so I think that's probably the biggest thing I'm proud of because I think what it does is it gives respect to to my elders, to my parents, and taking on those values and living them, I think will be something that will probably honor them. Um, even when my dad's no longer with us, but even when my mom's no longer with us, I think it will always be a reflection of the values that they instilled in me. Oh, that it is great. That is so great. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, those golden rules, you never can go wrong in following them and letting them be really who you are is represented in your walk. So with this, Dr. Sanchez, we've come to the point in our interview, and this has been loaded, it's been so rich, and I feel like I've just, I've, you know, we could read the bio, you can hear the bio, you can maybe even interact with the person, but uh, this has offered us another glance into Dr. Mark Sanchez, the person beyond the title that you hold as the superintendent president of Southwestern. So thank you so very much for your candor, being open, being vulnerable, so that we all can benefit from that and be enriched Absolutely. to show up as our best selves. So now it's time for our five and five. These are five questions that we ask all of our guests that are designed to trigger some rapid fire responses that lets us know a little more about you. Are you ready? 
I'm ready. Great. What have you watched lately that you really enjoyed on Netflix, Hulu, or whatever your preferred watching channel is? Yeah, you know, I, I just because we had just celebrated um, the birthday of uh, Cesar Chavez, one of the most recent things I've watched was a was a documentary on PBS regarding his life and some of his early work in the farm worker movement. There were a lot of details in that documentary documentary that were highlighted that were really enlightening for me to learn, particularly as it relates to bringing people together like Larry Itleong, uh, Dolores Huerta, and really there being a cross-cultural connection in their work uh, around social justice and human dignity. So I, I found that a really great watch. Oh, that sounds interesting. Um, Dr. Sanchez, what is your favorite travel destination and why? And I love traveling. I've been able to get so much uh, knowledge about myself and other cultures uh -huh. by really allowing myself to be uncomfortable in these spaces um, to become comfortable more with who I am. So could you share with us some of those experiences that you've had? Sure. I think one of my favorite travel destinations, and it was important to me personally to really learn around the culture and civilizations of the past, is really visiting the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico. I mm. think there's a tremendous history there um, on the great Mayan civilization, um, just really, really complex, uh, very ahead of their time in terms of their knowledge of the solar system and uh, agriculture and aqueducts and the flow of water. So just, so for me, that was an amazing experience to learn about uh, my history, my cultural history, and a lot of the richness around the Mayan civilization in particular. So that that's probably my, my, my favorite destination that I've experienced year to date in my life. Oh, yeah, that sounds awesome. What has adversity taught you? Adversity has taught me that there's going to be challenges and there will always be challenges. But I think a counter to adversity is the concept of perseverance and that's never giving up. So mm. always being able to reframe and push through challenges and to be able to do it with a good spirit, I think is really, really important. And I think when you lead from that paradigm, I think people will follow. I think people will have a natural connection with a leader that, that demonstrates those characteristics because they realize that leadership is challenging, but they also have a vision for what's on the other side once you're able to push through those challenges and, and to realize the goals of true leadership. So I think that's what adver adversity has taught me is to continue to move forward despite the, the barriers that are oftentimes in the way of true leadership. Mm, yeah, that's great. And a nice segue to our next five and five which is, can you name a leader that has inspired you and why? Well, I, I think it's just, it's situational. There have been, certainly there have been several leaders throughout my lifetime that, that have inspired me. And so it's, it's going to be tough to just name one, but you know, one of my favorites is the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King for just what he brought throughout that tumultuous period of time in the, in the United States history and the way that he did it from a nonviolent perspective, but rather really trying to shift the systems that the country had been built upon that were not designed for, for black people and people of color overall. And so 
I, I just I really appreciate his leadership style and the way that he went about his work in terms of trying to bring, bring people together. I think I can certainly make that same case for Cesar Chavez in that the movement at that time was focused on uh, farm worker rights and better working conditions for farm workers. But the larger context was really a social justice, a bringing of people together. It was really a human dignity movement. And so that would be another uh, amazing leader. But I think if you talk about Cesar Chavez, you have to mention uh, Dolores Huerta in that work, uh, Larry Itliong. Uh, and so that cross-cultural connection of bringing people together centered around uh, changing workplace practices, focus, focusing on the concept of human dignity um, is critical. So I know that was more than what you asked for, but, um, but I think it's, it's really important to, um, to honor the work of, of individuals who've done just tremendous social justice um, work in our country over, over our history. Yeah, that's, and it's how they're so related, different, but yet very much related. Very much, um, yes. So closing us out, Dr. Sanchez, what would you say is your guiding principle? Yeah, I, I think it's, and, and this has been, uh, as we've been experiencing a lot of challenges in society over the last uh, several years, um, one of the things that continue to, continues to resonate in my mind is just the golden rule, and that's treat people with respect, treat people with dignity, um, and I think if more people operated under that guiding principle, the road would be a much better place. Um, and I think just approaching people with the understanding that people are largely good, they're good natured, they're good intentioned, they're trying to, to, to do what they need to do to uh, feed their families, to work, um, to live a better life. And so I think when we approach people, whether we know them or not, the guiding principle should just always be uh, treat people with respect and dignity. And I wish society would, would operate more under that guiding principle, and I think the world would be a much better place for it. Oh, I absolutely agree with you there. You know, Dr. Sanchez, just reflecting on your five and five, it's amazing the story that you reveal about yourself on a message I cannot help um, but to share, at least my perspective, is, you know, really connecting with who you are. And when you talked about, you know, the PBS documentary on Cesar Chavez and understanding your history connected with the history that has been made by others, and then your travel to the Yucatan Peninsula, there again, understanding your history, the richness of that and the complexity of it, and then you cross that over to understanding with your life journey. There's going to be challenges, um, but persevere, never giving up. And then your leaders all within their own right speak to that perseverance. And in so doing, we make this a better place. And then, of course, treating people with dignity and respect, which is um, a common theme through your five and five, as well as the entire time we've been blessed to spend with you. So with that, thank you so very much, Dr. Sanchez. We appreciate your time. It has been our pleasure getting to know a little bit more about you and to welcome you back to Southwestern College. Thank you. Thank you, Janine. Really appreciate it. 
Listeners, we hope you enjoyed our conversation with Southwestern College's new president superintendent, Dr. Mark Sanchez. When transition and leadership occurs in the workplace, there's always a period of uncertainty when developing a relationship with the new leader. We hope that this episode gave you a deeper understanding of the person that holds the title of president superintendent of Southwestern College. Leading by principles shrouded in the golden rule, treat others the way you want to be treated, and the belief that all people deserve respect and a smile reveals Dr. Sanchez's guiding truths. This, combined with his data-informed approach to decision-making and strategic goal-setting, affirms Dr. Sanchez's equity-minded commitment to his work and the individuals he serves. Hearing his journey from student to superintendent president is encouraging and inspiring as we strive to remain resilient while leading through periods of uncertainty and making impactful decisions to shape our future. If you enjoyed this interview, be sure to leave us a review and subscribe to us via your podcast provider. Until next time, be safe. This podcast, the interview, has been brought to you by the Office of Employee Relations in Title IX, Human Resource Division at Southwestern Community College District in Chula Vista, California. It has been my pleasure to serve as your host. I would like to acknowledge my colleagues, Mei Zing and Theodora Bellinger in the Office of Employee Relations in Title IX, who have served along with me as the executive producers of this production. We would like to extend our special thanks to our colleagues at Southwestern College, namely Professor Francisco Bustos and the Frontero Drum Fusion for permission to use their musical piece, Memory Has No End, in this podcast. Graphic design was created and provided by our own publications associate, Brenda Mora. Additional thanks to our colleagues that supported us in launching this project, Dr. Kendrick Murillo, Rose Delgadio, Zanita Encarnacion, Lillian Leopold, Sylvia Nagales, and Mark Colcleaser. Now, we would like to hear from you. If you have suggestions on future guests, those that you would like to be inspired and encouraged in hearing their story, drop us a line at SWCERTIX at SWCCD.edu. As we close, we will leave you with some wisdom from Rick Warren. While it is wise to learn from experience, it is wiser to learn from the experiences of others. Thanks for listening.